Welcome to Media in Minutes. This is your host, Angela Toole. This podcast features in-depth interviews with those who report on the world around us. They share everything from their favorite stories to what happened behind the lens and give us a glimpse into their world. From our studio here at Communications Redefined, this is Media in Minutes. Today, we're talking with Maxim Deputy Editor Nicholas Stetcher. Nicholas is also a freelance writer of cars, music, spirits, culture, and travel for outlets such as Rolling Stones, Wired, Rob Report, Mix Mag, and others. He's also an author and musician. Hello, Nicholas. Welcome to Media in Minutes. Hello, Angela. How's it going? It's going well. Thanks for joining us. You know, I'm not really sure where to start. <laughs> you are such yeah. a prolific writer and cover everything from cars to spirits to adventure travel to culture and music. Where should we begin? Well, in the beginning. Yes, I guess the only place to start <laughs> is the beginning, which was I started off as a music writer, essentially. And okay. um, for obvious, like I, I was a musician. I love music. It was for a free like paper. And I went to UCLA. Okay. And it was for free paper in um, in San Diego that my friend worked with. It was like an LA Express. I don't know if you know what that is. It's basically like mm -hmm. a free newspaper to like sell like ads for like strip clubs and stuff with like, right, right. Really, you know, eat content in between. And I would write music reviews from LA for it. I remember the first one was like Jane's Addiction. And uh, the idea was, you know, I would get free tickets and then I would have to write about it. But I really liked writing. Yeah. And, and those guys really liked my writing. So I kept doing it through like my senior year. And then I left for when I graduated, I did the, you know, the typical uh, travel around the world thing and, and spent right. like five months in, in uh, Europe and the seven months, in, nine months in Chile. Oh, wow. um, yeah. And th then wrote from there, basically. Okay. So did you know before that you wanted to be a journalist? No, I really, really had my like sights set on being a musician, but I just didn't have the talent. Okay, what do you play? Guitar. Or sing. Okay. I was a guitar player, and then I was also got really into electronic music, and then I started producing music. And again, you know, I just hit that one point, like in my mid twenties, where I'm like, I can see that I've talent. I've, I've, I've more talent in the writing sphere than I did in in music, so I, I just accepted it. Yeah, or enough to get paid to get paid in that area. Exactly. <laughs> right. One was giving me money, and one was one was costing me money. So right. Yeah. <laughs> so how did you get to where you are today, and in, in covering all of the different beats? Um, for music, I wrote for an electronic music magazine in LA called Industry Insider. Okay. Uh, the two partners they split. One of the partners um, started uh, started Dub Magazine, which was a, like a really really quite famous and really blew up. It had like 10 years of, of, of huge growth. Um, uh -huh. And what they did was essentially shoot, uh, they did stories on uh, athletes and rappers, mostly with their cars and posing in front of their rims. Oh, and okay. I thought it was an absolutely ridiculous idea, but <laughs> I loved hip hop and I needed money to write. And he was, you know, and I helped start the magazine. So um, I, I was super stoked to do it. And the, the blessing of that was that um, I, I was able to keep writing music, but then also start doing, you know, uh, athletes and um, musicians and, and then mostly cars. And then I segued okay. into cars. Okay. Yeah. And of course you started in travel, not necessarily writing, but traveling. <laughs> so you started yeah. 
You started out that way. Yeah, actually, like when I was in Europe, I start when I initially left. I was writing these free pieces for that magazine um, in uh, that for that paper in San Diego, okay. and this was like totally like off, just weird shit that was happening to me, like weird adventures that I would get into. And the yeah. blessing of that was I wasn't getting paid, but they were taking anything that I was writing because they just needed content, which right. is like a, a real blessing. Because you had the clips then. Yeah, I had the clips, but it was yeah. I was also given an excuse to write. So like I was having like this really, you know, sort of, you know, anybody that's done this at that age, like they have all these thoughts and, you know, you're traveling through Paris for the first time. And like, at least I had an outlet to put it out. And then I right. guess in a way that also... Um, that that also opened the way for me to to understand that I could I could get paid for doing this like like that I that was actually an, uh, an option was to not just travel around which a lot of my friends are doing but mm -hmm. also writing about it and then you know theoretically getting paid in some respect so that yeah. that I think that was a huge like uh, looking back um turning point right isn't it? yeah yeah. What is something we'd be surprised to learn about you? I know that there's there's probably plenty, but like for me, the good thing about the spectrum of stuff I get to write about is the fact that most of my interests I write about. That's so awesome. like if I'm really into spirits and I, I, you know, I really got into got like the nuances of agaves and then American whiskey and scotch and stuff. And I said, you know, if I'm going to read up about this and, you know, and research it, I might as well start writing about it. So then I did that. And then like, I started off in a luxury, in a travel spot. It certainly wasn't luxury, but luxury travel beat, way beats any other form of travel once you start <laughs> right. um, And then, you know, getting, travel was really important to me, but it was always to do something, right? Like if, if Mercedes Benz was gonna, they, they would send me, Jaguar sent me to Iceland, a Jaguar Land Rover to drive um, wow. a Land Rover in the snow in Iceland. That wow. was amazing. And, yeah. and it was, you know, eye-opening. And the first one I did was a driving a, a, an Audi Q7 across the outback of Australia for four days. And, like, that was absolutely mind-blowing that that was even enough, like, that people were doing that. Yeah, and, and that you're getting paid for it. Yeah, and <laughs> right. I was getting paid for being able to write about it. But the thing was, what I loved most about it was the, uh, was the travel. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and the driving the cars was secondary. So then when I started bumping shoulders with people that were like travel writers i realized that um while wow, you can actually just travel to a place and people will will do the same thing but i don't have to spend 24 hours driving a car essentially yeah. so then i started like digging into that world and and i think that's where, where me and you got to know each other was you know you guys approached me about doing a story about peru uh -huh. and peru's been a bucket list so whenever anybody hits me with a bucket list place like morocco peru scotland mongolia um you know, any place like that, that, that I've either been or dying to go or dying to go for the first time, like that, that gets me more than that gets me more than anything. Yeah. And you do these for Maxim. How long have you been with Maxim? Um, I think, you know, I've been a deputy editor there for, I'm going to guess like three to four years, three okay. years, four years. And I've been writing for them for three or four years before that. Okay. So what does your role involve as a deputy editor? Um, well, it's not going to shock you to know that we're like a relatively small team. Um, right. We're like the editor, there's the print magazine and then there's the online. We were closely with each other, but uh, uh, Chris Wilson is a 
is our digital editor. He handles all that, you know, the, the digital stuff. I send him things. I write for him too. Okay. But the, the, at the pinnacle of the Maxim brand, because we also do events and other things like that in social media is the ma- the magazine is the big prestige piece. So right. um, my editor, my the editor in chief is, uh, is pretty much the creative director, which is Guillaume uh, Bruno. Okay. And so he really cares about aesthetics. So the prime, the prime thing that we worry about is finding stories that are going to translate on the page beautifully, aesthetically, mm-hmm. and also with, you know, really interesting stories. And I have a, I have a partner, uh, Jared Stern, who's also a, an exceptional luxury travel writer. Um, we overlap a lot. Like we both love luxury spirits. We both love luxury travel. Uh, I'm a little bit more in the automotive supercar realm. He's okay. much more into watches and things like that. So we have our specialties, but we overlap a lot. And to answer your question, long, long, but ways, like essentially what we want to do is cover things that interest men that want to experience something new and interesting are into. The, okay. There's still the girl aspect. We always have like a, you know, beautiful girl on the cover, but you know, now we're really trying to find women that are doing interesting things or, you know, really moguls and running their own, their own world on top of being aesthetically, you know, beautiful to match the Maxim brand. But for me as a, as an, ed, as an editor, I more care about the other content. I care about like, Let's get a story of us riding, you know, Baja buggies across, you know, Baja, Mexico for three days and camping, or let's go yeah. to Mongol, uh, Jordan and drive these, you know, infinity SUVs from Wadi Rum to, you know, Sico C. Petra and like really cool things that like any, any, you know, any guy that's curious and, and likes to travel will flip this through and be like, oh, holy shit, I got to do that trip or, or inspire them to do another trip, I guess. Yeah. Or to buy this bottle of whiskey, you know, like. We don't really cover like your traditional, like, well, we try to find things that are really interesting. So has your audience for Maxim changed a little bit over the years? Well, I think the, the Maxim audience changed before I got there. Uh, there was a big pivot okay. uh, under our previous editor-in-chief from being like, you know, straight girly mag with like right. five minute articles to being something that was more, uh, what actually was our, when the, the Mr. Biglari, uh, Sadar Biglari bought the magazine. Um, he really wanted to make it into something that was more of a prestige piece, more luxury, things like mm-hmm. that. So that happened prior to me getting there. Okay. So how would you describe the typical reader? I would say male 28 to 54 doing tequila shots, maybe <laughs> into like starting to starting to figure out like better clothes to buy, better whiskeys to get into, better watches. So mm-hmm. I, I would say like, like the, a developing young man into somebody that has the means to do it to somebody that's always wants to kind of, you know, keep the finger, the finger on the pulse. That's a great description. And that's a, that's a wide range, yeah. <laughs> you know, that you have to appeal to. I know yeah. you mentioned spirits uh, and you handled the maximum spirit of the week articles. Right. That must be a tough job, right? <laughs> yes. It's terrible. <laughs> the only <laughs> one that hates it is my girlfriend because we get a lot of really, really good spirits here way more than I can, you know, drink. So, we open bottles. I have to, you know, I, I try to try everything, <laughs> but then, you know, the, uh, my friends are really the ones that benefit most because like, I'll bring like, you know, when we hang out three or four open bottles to whatever house is there and everyone okay. gets to try it. And, and I get some, I'm incredibly blessed in the whiskey world and, and mezcals, but mostly whiskey, like just absolutely. Because also right for Rob report and other magazines and, right. you know, some people send me these just, you know, I know, I know more from like the, the eye, the way I see my friends' eyes with whiskey nerds when they 
Uh-huh. My I'm husband's little, one of those. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm a little jaded. So like, but I'll get like, you know, the Buffalo Trace uh, uh, antique collection. That comes oh, no. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah. The stuff and you I, can't find on the shelves at all. Exactly. Like stuff that people, you know, are, you know, maybe $150 SRP, but, you know, people are paying literally nine, $900,000, $1,200 for a bottle. Wow. And it comes to my house. And then I'm like, I invite my three or four best friends <laughs> who are whiskey heads, uh, you know, to come over and try it. And everybody wins. That's awesome. You're yeah. one of the best friends they, <laughs> they have, right? Well, I'd say that. They're, they're moochies in my world, but <laughs> right. Right. So, you know, in all of these different areas, there's so many great stories. What are your favorite types of stories to write? I'm right now, like, taking, I I have Due Tomorrow uh, cover story for Rolling Stone Australia on this um, uh, band, but electronic leaning called A Roof is Through Soul. Okay. Uh, They just won the Grammy. Uh Uh-huh. And... Number one, I really, I got to spend some time with those guys and we drove around to the different venues that they played in LA from starting off in the Echoplex to like the house they used to live in Venice, which is where I live and really kind of recorded and their, their labels called Rose Ave. So it's like, you know, they're, they're, they're Australians from Sydney, but they spent five years in Venice and now they mm. have, you know, Cal- like California girlfriends, like they're very much Los Angeles is like their second home. Right. Um, and we got to go around and eat together and things like that. Like, that's really cool for me. Like, um, meeting people I respect who's either music I respect or art I respect, being able to sit down with them, talk to them, really ask them any question. It's all really, as long as they're into it, which I'm lucky that I don't, can't think of anybody that I really had a terrible interview with. Most people give you a really thoughtful and give you the time of day. And it's really awesome, you know, like to be able to sit down with these people and, and spend time with them and learn what makes them tick. And, uh, you know, what's their songwriting coming from an old musician's position? Like, how, what's your songwriting process? How do you, how much time do you do you dwell on a, on a hi hat sound and, yeah. you know, like different philosophies of why that's a waste of time versus not. And, you know, we, we hung out for like six hours and the interviews, you know, probably wow. going to use half an hour of the interview. So there's a lot of time you, you know, you, you, you build up, you, you get to know them. And then you at, afterwards, when you listen to the, you, you kind of like pluck the ore out and you're like, oh, this is the cool part. This is a cool conversation. What yeah. do people, what would fans really want to hear about them? Um, have, has this topic been gone over a million times? So that's really one of my favorites. <laughs> and then the other one is the one like going you know, like I mentioned before, like going to Peru or going uh-huh. to, I did a trip uh, to Sicily where Bentley sent me out to drive the, like their fastest GT in Sicily. And then yeah. I expanded it and spent like another week there, you know, driving around the island and yeah. getting my own hotels that were like, you know, the, my favorite type of hotel, these like European Grand Dam hotels, like the ones that are like two, two, 100, 150, 200, 300 years old. Mm-hmm. And they have that real luxury, not like the Vegas fake like luxury. The old luxury, right? Yeah, like <laughs> the real luxury, like not just a, a pillar there because it like looks good, but like it's a you know it's a, you know architectural pillar, you know marble and and just you know they know how to treat people. I love Europe because yeah, it's just a it's a beautiful place. Uh, the the vibe there, people, you know, it's more about communication and talking and experiencing things. It's not necessarily about a blaring pool party. Like you can sit by the pool, have a Campari brought to you or 
be even better. You're on the Mediterranean by, uh, you know, uh. on, you know, on the beach and somebody's bringing you Campari and you've got nothing to do for like the next eight hours. <laughs> and then your only job is to take it in, kind of process yeah. it and then Describe come up with it. a story by the end. I mean, that, that's, yeah. that is like my ideal gig. And I've been super lucky to be able to do it a couple, like several times. And, uh, you know, that's just, I, I have to pinch myself and be like, I can't believe this is my job. And yeah, I, I get asked that all the time by my friends. Like, I can't believe this. Is your you job. get paid for this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Speaking so of, you have a story coming out soon on Peru, as you had mentioned a little bit ago. How was your oh, trip yeah, there? Yeah. We, uh, for Maxim, we went down there. And then again, there's another one that you helped. You laid the, you paved the groundwork for that one. And, um, you know, we talked about it pre-COVID. Then, sh- then everything shut down. We ended up going in November. Uh-huh. And again, that, that, that one in, is a microcosm of exactly what I love because we went to Lima and spent like four days in Lima trying like their world-class cuisine. And we went yes. to Central, we went to uh, Astrid and Gaston, mm-hmm. um, these like world famous restaurants and get to eat this, like, you know, like, like there is no meal I've ever had. It. Yes. It's yeah. the most refined, like Central is the most, it's up there with like Noma or you know, tickets or like, you know, these just ridiculous restaurants. Like there's no, they're, they're on a different peer, uh, on a different tier. Right. So yeah, you get to experience that. You get to eat this amazing food. It's brought to you. You, I, you know, I, at that point I didn't talk to the chef, uh, but we, Virgilio, but we ended up emailing and having a really beautiful, you know, communication that way. Uh-huh. And then you do like three or four days of that. Then you jump in a plane and you go to the Valle Sagrada or like the Cusco area, mm-hmm. Machu Picchu met the most awesome guide, uh, Ernesto. Um, I think he's, I, his Instagram is Ernesto of the sacred Valley. If you ever, if anybody out there is going to Peru, he is by far the best guy I've ever had anywhere on anything. Um, and you know, he took me to these tiny villages because he's, you know, he spoke Quechuan and Uh you know, some of these people don't even speak Spanish. And then you know, we were on dirt roads and, and, and hiking. We didn't just drive up to like, you know, the landmark, we would take the long way around and hike in and stop yeah. at somebody's house. And they gave us, you oh, know, the so Peruvian cool. food. Yeah. And, yeah. and Peruvian beer. I think they have like a corn beer. Uh-huh. Uh, and yeah. And, and so you experience, you know, I like you exp- that. That to me is my ultimate, big, ultimate trip where it's where you get like the really elevated, refined, you know, first world type of treatment. And then you get into the weeds and you're among like, you know, indigenous people, or, you know, like you get that in Oaxaca a lot, you're, you're seeing how they make the best cow, how they've done it, like getting your fingers dirty, that, that, that when you can do both of those in one trip, uh, you've, you've, <laughs> you've played my, yeah, you've, you've played all my keys. <laughs> so how do you tend to find your stories? Um, to, I mean, I'll be completely honest, like 75% are brought to me. Okay. And it's just a matter of processing and deciding which ones I want to do. And then there's ones that I seek out and say, I really want to go here. I really want to do this. Uh, I hear about a f- festival somewhere or some really weird thing that's going on. And I try to figure out a way to get there. Yeah, that's great for us as PR professionals. You know, how can we best help you do your job besides bringing you those stories? Or do you have any pet peeves too? There's a lot of very good PR present me with an opportunity, 
you know, I, I would o- always say circle back at least once, especially with the way of modern email. Like I get so many emails, I miss stuff. And sometimes I'm like, well, thank God this person circled back yeah, at the yeah. same time. Like, you know, I would say three is the most to circle back. Like sometimes, <laughs> right. and, and I get that some people are desperate. They're trying to really sell their thing, but like also try to like, you know, I don't like when I'm, I write for Maxim and people are sending me like, Oh, here's great ideas for Mother's Day's gift. Like we don't right. cover Mother's Day's gift. So like, right. you know, target your audience intelligently. Yeah. Um, and then, I, I mean, again, I've had so much luck with some, some really good PRs. I think it's hard to give general advice, but like in luxury travel, a big one I would say is make sure your client has really good photography. You know, you'd be mm-hmm. shocked if you're going to be a, in PR uh, the, there's always the text and the copy and the words are super important, but the visuals are also really important too. So uh, yeah, that's yeah. sometimes disappointing. And you'd be surprised like Belmont hotels, like <laughs> they have the greatest photography ever. We never have to take a photo there, but then there's like a smaller hotel and they might not have a great f- f- photography uh, or, or a database of photos. But I think even those independent ones should invest a little bit in that because All I right. think that that's, that's, that really moves the needle. Yeah, sometimes it's hard to include ones that don't, I mean, if you don't have any photography for them, I'm I'm sure there's some that can't be included then. That's 100% the case. And we've, we've worked with one, one, you know, and and they're usually in, you know, it's like, could be in the desert of Mongolia and they're just not used to the fact, like they're not savvy. They're not, they're not used to the IG in this whole new world. And I get that. and, And you have to work with them, but like, if I worked with a, as a PR company, I, the, one of the first things I would do is make sure that they had really good um, visuals and things like assets, yeah. all, all sorts of assets. Yeah, that's great advice. Yeah. Now, before we go, we also have to talk about your books. You've written one and are the co-author of another. So tell uh-huh. us more about them. Okay. Uh, again, luckily, it's 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 sometimes I envy people that just stick in one world because you know, <laughs> they're very focused and, and right. I, I dated a PhD student and like all she did was linguistics and the minutiae that she would focus on was amazing because she was one of the most knowledgeable people on the planet that knew this meanwhile I didn't know anything about it but I knew all these random things about tequila and uh the Ferrari right. and Koenig things Cars, right. so um but the good thing, like the, the first one was the ultimate um, impossible collection of motorcycles, which is an Asseline publishing, a French publishing house. Okay. Uh, they have a series called the impossible collection of where they take something and, you know, it could be the impossible collection of guitars, the impossible collection of, of Ferraris, impossible collection of whatever. Um, they approached me one about like, I think they approached like seven writers and they said, give us your idea. I worked with uh, a, a, a guy called, uh, Ian, who's um, Ian Barry, who makes his own motorcycles. He manif- he does custom bikes that uh-huh. you know now they're in the Peterson. He's an incredibly well respected motorcycle guy. His brand was called Falcon Motorcycles. So I said I could theoretically do this, but I really want to bring somebody whose entire world is uh, motorcycles. Yeah. So I brought him along, and we selected you know 100 bikes, and that's in the hundred. That's in the possible collection. It's okay. more of a coffee table book, but the, the work came in deciding which were going to be the hundred bikes we would cover, which was a lot, a lot of work. And then yeah. the writing up was, was, was short, was easier. Okay. A hundred words on each. And then the second one is called uh, the secret DJ book three. 
And what that is, is a, the secret DJ is a writer for Mix Mag, which is a, the, the number one music magazine, dance music mm-hmm. magazine, maybe in the world, but definitely in the UK. And, um, and what they did was they had this really good writer that was also a DJ share these stories about being a DJ behind the scenes, which is fascinating because it's yes, everything. Hey, from, yeah. Like what's it like, you know, being touring, but then also, you know, the drudgeries of visas and, you know, like uh, shady promoters. And when dealing with the editor of that book, because he was the editor of Mixmag, uh, Duncan Dick, I, I suggested the idea of why don't we do one with where we just approach to a bunch of different DJs, like world-class DJs. And we get like stories that are like tales of, of, of warning about what to avoid with shady, pre- like uh, uh, promoters. And then, uh-huh. you know, stories about when you first started DJing, like great stories from, from headlining DJs and yada, 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 and collect them all. And I was, that, that was a blessing because that happened during COVID and nobody was doing yeah. anything as everybody knows. And right. so it was really good, something to work on because I got to talk to all these like big DJs who nobody was touring. They were maybe producing, but they had the time to talk about this and, and really share some really amazing stories about, uh, about, you know, everything from, you know, they're getting chased around Barcelona by, uh, you know, gangsters to like, um, <laughs> you know, storms coming in when they're in Ibiza and like tornadoes and getting their, their turntables blown off the table. So essentially all we did was we got like, I think seven c- contributing editors, eight contributing editors, and we okay. just collected like 10 stories each and put it into a book. That sounds fascinating. And it's out now. On We'll Boston. definitely have to link to, um, to how you can buy them. Three. Yes. It's a fun read. I mean, I, I looked like when I got the book, I was like reading through it because I was like trying to see which ones were mine. There's no way to know. Right. And I read uh, like, you know, 30, 30 of them. It's if it's a world that you're interested in, uh, it's it's fun. Great. Thank you so (laughs) much for talking with us today. Where can listeners find you on social? Um, At Nick Stetcher, N-I-C-K-S-T-E-C-H-E-R on Instagram. I also have a spirit centric one on Instagram called at booze of the day. So B-O-O-Z-E of the day. Um, on Instagram and then Twitter is man versus himself, man underscore VS underscore himself. Uh, and that's a Twitter. Perfect. We'll have yeah. those links in our show notes too. That'd be awesome. Thank you. Thanks for reaching out. I appreciate it. That's all for this episode of Media and Minutes, a podcast by Communications Redefined. Please take a moment to rate, review, and subscribe to our show. We'd love to hear what you think. You can find more at communicationsredefined.com slash podcast. I'm your host, Angela Toole. Talk to you next time.